You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. There's nobody in our building that doesn't love him. So coaches, players, support staff, everybody's excited to see him. I think he's excited to be here. I love being a Raider. So this is, yeah, it's 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 exciting whenever you get a player back, whether it's from injury or something like this. I mean, it's always a, gives you a little bit of a boost. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. We're coming in hot today. It is definitely a red polo day as my man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. We like to call it Studio Q. And I'll tell you right now, there's certain days that you go and you jump on the radio and it's the best thing ever because, well, you could just escape from everything. And I'll tell you right now, for the next three hours, I'm in a zone where nothing else matters. It is all good in the hood. As I mentioned, it's definitely a red polo day. We shared the story of that, and it's almost like Ari talked it up yesterday, or maybe I talked it up. But either way, it happened. It was official like a referee's whistle, and here we are with you for the next three hours, excited about the opportunity. Of course, you heard there head coach Josh McDaniels in the open and talking about Josh Jacobs. We met with him earlier today at the Intermountain Health Performance Center around 11 o'clock, had about a 15, 16-minute uh, you know, press conference and talked about a variety of subjects, including the the roster being put together, the initial 53, some of the tough cuts that they had to make, uh, some of the guys that they put back onto the practice squad, some guys that they weren't able to put back on the practice squad, like a Drake Thomas, who the Seattle Seahawks went out and, and decided to sign him. So Drake Thomas is on his way to Seattle instead of being with the Silver and Black, and that's unfortunate. Looked like a guy that had a little bit of promise. Uh, but – you know, that's, sometimes, that's how it goes, right? That's the number game. Sometimes you take a chance, you, you let a guy go, and you're assuming that you're going to be able to bring him back. And, well, another team just happened to notice that this is a pretty good player. So Drake Thomas, they, uh, they were not able to bring him back. Philip Dorsett, he signed with the Denver Broncos, so they weren't able to bring him back. So a couple guys that they lost, a couple guys that they put some – some waiver claims in on that they weren't able to get either because other teams that had the had the waiver uh, advantage over them where they, they are able to select higher than the Raiders, which was the Raiders are at number seven. They were able to get some claims in ahead of the silver and black. So uh, there's plenty to get to when it comes to the team, plenty to get to when it comes to the roster, but uh, able to meet with head coach Joshua Daniels a little earlier today. There's a few players meeting right now in the facility, and uh, if we get anything good from them, we'll bring it to you throughout the course of of the next three hours. But as I mentioned, always excited to be with you and have a lot of really good guests come up on the show today as we do each and every day, starting off at 2.30. The voice of the silver and black, that's Jason Horowitz. He'll be, uh, he'll be joining us just to talk about what he sees now. Now that the preseason's all the way over, now that he's preparing for week one in Denver, you know, and he's looking at the initial 53-man roster, how does he think it shapes up? What does he think it looks like right now? You know, how competitive does he feel this team is going to be? And I'll tell you right now, from the beginning of training camp to now, my outlook on this team is a lot higher than it was because I was sitting at a place where I didn't really have any idea. And, and I've said that so many times to anyone who will listen, I'm not too sure exactly what this team is, is capable of doing, what they can do in 2023. But I'll tell you, with the roster, the way that the talent is on the team, and you can see where the talent is in certain positions, a lot of positions, especially on the offensive side of things, uh, you feel pretty good, at least I feel pretty good, that this team has a chance to do some good things, and they're flying under the radar, and nobody's talking about them, and I think that that's a good thing. Uh, we all have talked about the defense in great, great length, 
almost in nauseum, right, that, that they've got to step up and complement the offense. And obviously they've got to have some guys offensively stay healthy and be a big-time factor like a Jimmy Garoppolo, like a Michael Mayer, you know, Jacoby Myers, guys like that. Uh, they're going to have to play their role. Obviously Devontae Adams is going to do what Devontae Adams does and Josh Jacobs is going to do what Josh Jacobs does. So Jason Horowitz will join us at 2.30 to talk about expectations for this team, talk about what it looks like right now, the 53-man roster, and also – where he thinks that this team still has room to improve between now and September 10th when the Raiders are in Denver taking on the Broncos. Then at 3 o'clock, we missed him yesterday, but John McClain, Sports Radio 610, he'll join us to talk all things NFL. And I thought I was going to lead off with Jonathan Taylor, but all of a sudden I saw this uh, little story come down the ticker. How about this? Former Arizona Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes testified that a team exec gave him a burner phone to communicate with former GM Steve Kime under orders from Kime and team owner Michael Bidwell during Kime's suspension, according to a deposition obtained by ESPN. So I say that to know and say that there's a lot of shenanigans that were going on in Arizona. We all know that. But if you're going to give a burner phone to a guy who is your coach, don't fire him afterwards, dummy. Because then if he's asked about it and has to testify, guess what? He's probably going to tell the truth, right? If you want him to be on your side and keep secret secrets, you might not want to fire the guy. Just saying. I ain't the smartest guy in the world, never claimed to be a smart criminal, but if you're going to do criminal-type activities, don't set yourself up by, for failure by firing the dude. So Steve Kime, who's now the defensive coordinator uh, there in uh, – or not Steve Kime, excuse me, Steve Wilkes, who's now the, uh, the defensive coordinator there with the uh, San Francisco 49ers, apparently has been uh, on, on the stand testifying, and that doesn't look good for the Arizona Cardinals, who already are in a weird position just on the field this year. They have a new head coach there and Coach Jonathan Gannon. They uh, obviously don't have Kyler Murray. They say he's going to play sometime this year, but he's coming back from an ACL. They've traded away a few of their players, so it looks like they're doing their best job to not be as competitive as they would like to be. And maybe they're going to be trying to aim for that number one spot and potentially Caleb Williams when it's all said and done. Uh, now they look like they're also in a bad position off the field. So we'll talk all things NFL. We'll go through the Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud being announced as the starting quarterback. Not that that should be a big surprise. We'll do all that with John McClain coming up at 3 o'clock talking all things NFL. At 3.30, Paloma Villacana. She joins us each and every Wednesday to talk about the Aces and UNLV. And I'll tell you right now, Ari, you've been behind the scenes a lot on some of these Aces games. I think I'm going to start with UNLV when it comes to Paloma because the Aces, and they did this last year, Remember they hit a they hit a, a bump in the road last year yep. where it was like can they get some W's? They've been struggling as of late. Even when they get wins, they've been struggling. They've been hard fought wins. I could tell that the young ladies are tired. You can see that they have heavy legs. And right now the New York Liberty look like a really good stake of team and look like they're going to give them their run for their money. And if they're going to win a championship this year, and this is why I always caution, just because a team is super talented, don't crown them immediately. They got to go out there and earn it. There's a lot of time, you know, between now and when a when a championship could be won. Right now, the New York Liberty look like the best team in the WNBA, and the Aces look like a team that's trying to figure things out. Yeah, and hopefully they'll look like a team who has revenge on their mind because that is probably the only thing you can you can take away from this kind of stretch, right, is just get mad at yourself and come back stronger. Cause yeah. It's it's been uh, it's tough to see them like that. They're just so good all the time. They blow out you know other right. teams, so it's it's weird sometimes when it's like a close game or – you know, they're, they're down by a whopping eight points, and you're like, what? So. Man, eight points. They've been down 18 right, points. Yeah, they've been just... down. I mean, they've been, like I said, they've been on the struggle bus. Not that I think that, you know, they're a bad team. Obviously, they're not. They're one of the of best course. in WNBA. But right now, uh, the New York Liberty are playing like the best team. And sometimes it's about peaking at the right time. And yep. the Liberty could be peaking at the right time. The Aces came out the gates like, man, they were on fire. 
right? You couldn't tell them nothing, right? They were like that old Kanye. You can't tell me nothing, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Now it's like, uh, can't really tell. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want to talk so, about it. Right. Don't want to talk about it. We'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about it later. So uh, we'll talk all things UNLV. They'll be in action this week. Excited about that. They actually have a game. It's week one officially in college football, and I think anyone's listening to this show knows how I feel about really being week two because last week was week zero, which I still don't understand that, but okay. So it's officially week one. UNLV has a game this week, so we'll talk to Paloma about UNLV, and we'll talk on the Aces coming up at 3.30. Then 4 o'clock, really excited about this interview. And sometimes, I mean, I'm excited all the time. It's just kind of who I am. I, I wake up out of bed, and I'm excited. I'm just excited that, you know, God has allowed me to take some more breaths and, uh, and live this next day. So I get fired up just getting out of bed. But I'm excited about this interview. We're going to talk to Greg Harden. He's the author of Stay Sane in an Insane World, How to Control the Controllables and Thrive. And I'm just so excited by this. As oh, Ari did the, the legs works here, so don't, don't give me any credit for this, please. Ari did all the heavy lifting when it came to this, and not only did he book the guest, but he also booked the book. And what I mean by that is he reached out to the people and said, yeah, we'd love to have you on the show to talk about the book that uh, is out now. But we'd also like a copy of the book. So I, no joke, made a beeline from the house this morning to the radio station to pick up the book, made a beeline back to the house to, to be on a conference call that I had, made a beeline over to the Raiders facility to meet with Josh McDaniels, only to come back to the house and uh, have another conference call and then jump on the radio. But with all that being said, victory was had because I have this book in my hand right now. Greg Harden, Stay Sane in an Insane World, How to Control the Controllables and Thrive. And I'll tell you right now, the forward is by Tom Brady. So I know a lot of people be like, ah, Tom Brady, whatever. But just the people, and I've barely started to go through this book, the people that are talking and vouching for Greg Harden is, is pretty awesome. Like, for example, Desmond Howard, if Greg Harden wasn't at the University of Michigan, I don't win the Heisman. I just want that to soak in for a minute. This is a world-class athlete. And please believe it, you're playing at that level and you get to the NFL and, and, and you're playing, you're a Heisman Trophy winner, you're the best of the best. And Desmond Howard in college was the best of the best. He said, if Greg Harden wasn't at the University of Michigan, I don't win the Heisman. Who else? How about Tom Brady? Greg Harden has and will always be one of the most influential people in my life. That's coming from a seven-time Super Bowl champ, right? I mean, it's just Michael Phelps. 23-time Olympic gold medalist. I can't wait talking about the book. Bob Bowman, swimming coach to Michael Phelps. He's a miracle worker. He made me a better coach and a better person. How about Jim Harbaugh? I highly recommend this book as a must-read. He has been instrumental in creating championship cultures in and out of sports. Right there, that's the C word that I want to talk about, cultures. Why? We've spent so much time here on the show talking about cultures and how to create a healthy winning culture. And I think every one of us, no matter how healthy or winning or positive we think we are, we can always make our culture and our lives a little bit better. And a book like this, Stay Sane in an Insane World, How to Control the Controllables and Thrive. I think this is good probably for just about everybody. So Greg Harden will join us at 4 o'clock to talk about this book and talk about some of his stories and the people that he's come across. And he has talked to a whole lot of people, spent a long time at the University of Michigan. And like I said, I cannot wait to jump into that conversation coming up at 4 o'clock. At 4.30, Ari will take over the wheels of steel. He's got reason or excuse. He's got a bunch of different topics he'll hit us with. And, you know, we'll decide if it's a reason or excuse. And plus, he'll hit us with maybe the national day of the day, uh, if it's a good one today. I don't know. Sometimes he comes up with some pretty suspect ones. But – it is what it is. So as you could tell, 
We are action-packed on the show. Jason Horowitz, 2.30. John McClain at 3. Paloma Villacon at 3.30. And 4 p.m., Greg Harden, author of Stay Sane in the Insane World. And Ari, I want to ask you. I just want to give me a tease. Is the National Day of the Day, is it something that I'm going to be interested in or am I going to poo-poo on it? Oh, you're going to poo-poo on it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, there went all that positivity out the door. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'll also give you another hint because there's a big important tease here. It's one of those ones where it's like we've had one really similar. I know what you're going to say because it's, it's kind of like a, a variation of it. So, yeah. Sometimes right. I just like to do it just to, just to make you annoyed. That's okay. Oh, yeah. Hey, look, there's a lot of things that go on in life that people do just to try to annoy me. <laughs> so, you know, right when 5 o'clock hits, I'm just I'm on your mind. That dang Ari. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't get rid of Ari. No. That's right. That'll work. No, I'm okay with that. That's a good tease. We'll get that towards the go. end of the show. So thank you so much for that. Again, we got some great uh, guests lined up and uh, excited to hear from you as well. Raider Nation at 702-365-9200 and the Dobebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r With all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. Before we jump into the opening drive and get into any subjects that I have, we already got a couple texts on the don'tbebroke.com text line, and we do appreciate that. One is a pretty funny one from Sir Whiskey Ray, so we'll start off with that. Q, did you say burner phone? Oh, my God, what is that? Never heard of a boner phone, or bo- burner phone ever. Sincerely, Kevin Durant. Damon and all shady people that like to troll on Twitter. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray talking about the burner phone right there. I like that one. But this one's a, a serious one. This is from the 707. Hey, Q, if time allows, would you happen to have the chance for a brief clarification on how the waiver basics work? I think a lot of our football ego gets in the way of asking questions that we think we should know. But I don't think a lot of us are clear on how this works. Thanks, best show. It's from 707. And look, I'll say this when it comes to the waiver wire. And I think that it's, it's a good question because a lot of people really don't know. It's like, wait. Why did this guy get waived and why did this guy get released? What's the difference? If you get released, you've been in the league four-plus years, right? So you're an established veteran already. So the minute you get released, like if I release Ari, he's been at the radio station 10 years. He can go out and get a job anywhere immediately. He doesn't have to clear waivers, and I'll get to clear waivers in a second. He can, he can sign with anybody he wants. He's free and clear as soon as I say, all right, Ari, you're out. So that's the basic release. Like Philip Dorsett. Philip Dorsett is a veteran in the NFL, so when the Raiders released him yesterday, he was free to go sign with the Denver Broncos, which he's doing. So he didn't have to go through the waiver wire pecking order. Now, what's the waiver wire pecking order, you ask? Okay, simple. Depending on how bad you were, like think about the draft and the way that the, the, the draft lined up. Who was the first team in the draft? It was the Chicago Bears, then the Houston Texans, and uh, who was third? I forget who was third, but you know the Raiders picked seventh. So right now their waiver wire order is seventh. So if they want to select a player who's on the waiver wire and trying to clear waivers, they, they have to go seventh. So if, say, the Raiders want Ari and they have to pick seventh and the Bears want Ari too, they pick first so the Bears would get awarded Ari, as opposed to the Raiders, they say, well, sorry, uh, you, you were seventh, so you don't get awarded. Now, how are you going on waivers? What is being on waivers? That means that you are a person that does not have the, the – you haven't been in the league long enough to, to be just flat-out released. You haven't earned that, earned that time in the league. So if, if you get released – and you're on waivers, like you're a one-year guy, like a Matthew Butler. Let's put it like that. Matthew Butler was drafted last year by the Silver and Black. He was waived. He, now he's back on the practice squad, so he's back. But if someone like the Bears wanted him, maybe they were interested in him, they would pick him up and say, all right, we want Matthew Butler. They would assume his contract. 
Whatever contract the Raiders had came up with, they would assume that, and they would have to roll like, like that. And so perfect example, and this will make more sense, when the Raiders waived Alex Leatherwood, everyone assumed Alex Leatherwood was going to clear waivers because he stunk. Nobody's going to pick up Alex Leatherwood. He's no good. And the Chicago Bears said, hold my beer. We'll pick him up. So before he was able to become a free agent, he had to go through waivers. And waivers, you only have, it's a 24-hour period. So within 24 hours, the Bears said, I think we want to go and get Alex Leatherwood. So they picked him up, meaning they picked up his rookie contract as well. So they really did the Raiders a big favor because his money comes off their books and goes onto the Bears' books. And if you noticed, Alex Leatherwood just got waived again by the Chicago Bears. I believe now uh, the Browns have picked him up and put him on the practice squad. So a, a bad pick, clearly, Alex Leatherwood. But that – that hopefully helps clear it up just a little bit. But that's the difference between waivers and, and release. And it's funny, year, years ago, I always wondered the same thing. I was like, man, do they just get bored? <laughs> uh, this guy got released. This guy got released. Oh, we're going to waive that guy. We'll release that guy. Like, I didn't really know the rhyme or the reason either. And this was years ago when it was explained to me. But it's a great question. And sometimes people just kind of assume it because they hear the terminology all the time. They assume they know what it means, but they don't. So don't ever worry about you know, asking a question. I ask questions all the time. And I have no shame. So uh, thank you so much for that text. We do appreciate you. With that being said, let's get into the, the roster and what it looks like right now because we didn't get the official list of waves and releases and injured reserve guys until the very end of the show yesterday. So I want to hear from you. I got a couple different questions for you. What was your biggest surprise from cutdown day? Similar to what we talked about yesterday, but we didn't have the official list. What are your overall feelings on the Raiders' initial 53-man roster as it stands right now, and where do you feel it still needs to improve? I think that's the key part right there. Where do you still feel it needs to improve now that you've got the initial idea of what the 53-man roster looks like? Before we get to your calls and texts at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R, I wanted you to hear from head coach Josh McDaniels and kind of talking about some of the tough decisions that they had to make while they were coming up with their releases and their waves. I mean, the, we've talked a lot about this time of the year. Um, you know, they're tough decisions and uh, a lot of things go into them, a lot of discussions, a lot of people um, – you know, we're evaluating our team and, um, you know, what would be best going forward and, you know, just trying to look at everything from all sides and see if we can't put together the the best group that we can. It gives us the best chance to compete every week. So um, I think it's still a fluid process. There's still some things that I would say are uh, up in the air here uh, relative to practice squad or, you know, those kind of things. And um, But right now I think we've – try to put together the group that we feel, you know, best about going forward. And, um, you know, I'm sure there'll be some things that get tweaked here. So the next 48 hours or so is going to be kind of fluid and up in the air, and there's going to be a lot of changes here and there, as you heard Josh McDaniels describe them as tweaks, right? I mean, just because you made the initial 53 doesn't mean that you're going to make the 53 is going to be uh, going to Denver, right? I mean, that's just, that's just not the reality of it because similar to what we've been talking about when it comes to waived and released, there's a lot of guys out there available right now, and there may be a guy that Dave Ziegler, Joshua Daniels, Patrick Graham, whoever, Champ Kelly, had their eye on a long time ago in the process, similar to the Seahawks, what the Seahawks did with Drake Thomas. They saw he was available, boom, they went and got him. 
So they got to put him on. Uh, they got to either put him on their practice squad or put him on their re- regular, uh, you know, their regular roster. But they've got to make room for him. So the Raiders are going to continue to build up their practice squad. They're going to do that over the next, you know, day or so, day and a half. Uh, get that up to 16. If they do add uh, the the uh, the foreign the foreign player, the you know the exchange. Uh, program that they have, uh, David Goha. If they do add him, he doesn't count against the practice squad. So you can have 16 guys on the squad. But if if they do decide to add him eventually to the practice squad, they can have 17, and that one won't won't count. So that's okay. And if they, you know, just just like during training camp when they had 91 because they had a Goha on the on the roster as well. So with all that being said, really, what are your overall feelings on the Raiders' initial 53-man roster? If this was the team that was headed to Denver right now, how would you feel, and where do you feel like it still needs to improve? And I know we had a call yesterday, and I don't remember who who called, and I apologize for that, but we had a call yesterday talking about Nicholas Morrow, and it's funny, as I was doing a little bit of research, because I like Nicholas Morrow a lot. I liked him when he was a member of the Raiders. He left to go to Chicago as a free agent to go and get that money. Uh, I know that Dave Ziegler and company like Nicholas Morrow as well. Uh, I haven't heard them talk about him as of late. I haven't heard anyone talk about him as of late, except for the call that we got yesterday, and I think it was a surprise that the Eagles let him go, and he wasn't part of their their uh, their 53-man roster, but he wasn't. So he's out there and available. And I still look at that linebacking room. Still look at the linebacking room as they held on to five guys on the active roster. They have Divine Diablo. They have Robert Spillane. They have Luke Masterson. They have Amari Birdie. And they have Curtis Bolton. Curtis Bolton, we know, is a glorified special team guy who – I think he has has moments where he could definitely play defense in a pinch, right? I think he's similar to Roderick Teamer uh, at the safety position. Roderick Teamer is a is a special teams ace, just like Curtis Bolton is. But if they had to go in and play defense, like I said, it's not ideal, but you feel pretty good about their their role. And I think Curtis Bolton really showed a lot more that he can he could take that next step and play on defense as well, and not be you know just a liability if they see him out there. Oh, oh let's go after that guy because he he can't play. He's shown that he could play. He's just not right. He does, he's not at the at a starter level. But I think he is a guy that goes in in a pinch. I still think that that room is just a little light, right? I think that they need someone who just could be that dude. And, and I look at a guy like Nicholas Morrow, and if he's available. I would love to see the Raiders go make a move for him. As a matter of fact, Jeff McClain from the Philadelphia Inquirer wrote that, the, that Morrow was waived on Tuesday by the Eagles, and it was a surprising move. He was projected to start at weak side linebacker for the Eagles, coming off a career-high 116-tackle season across 17 games with the Bears in 2022. And then on top of that, McClain goes on to say Philly lost a couple key linebackers to free agency, which is why the 28-year-old was presumably going to see a significant role right away, but that ultimately is not the case. It is unlikely he'll be without a team for too long. So a very productive season for Nicholas Morrow. Like I said, I would have no problem if Dave Ziegler, as they're going through the waiver wire, again, we just kind of explain what the waiver wire is, as they're going through it and they say, let's put a claim in for Nicholas Morrow or cross their fingers and hope that nobody picks him up in that 24-hour time period and that he's able just to to come on back. And that's probably why nobody's put a a waiver wire claim in for him yet, at least not that I've heard of, because of his salary. So they're probably hoping that maybe he can clear through waivers and they could just sign him to a free agent deal of their liking, whatever they choose. And, again, I'm not – I'm not up to date on every single transaction that's happened in the NFL, so maybe there's a team looking at him or maybe there's a team that's already picked him up. But at the last I checked, there wasn't. So 
That's just one guy that I look at and think that, okay, you could probably help increase the linebacking room still. Again, my heavy emphasis, Raider Nation, and my heavy emphasis has been since the season ended, is going to be on defense. I'll spend a little bit of time with the offense, but I think the offense is going to be fine. I really do. Matter of fact, I think the offense is going to be good. But I want to spend a lot of time on the defense because I think that that's really what's going to determine how good this team is going to be this year is how good that defense is. I'm not saying that they're going to lead the team and lead the league in, in, you know, defensive pressure or this, that, and the other or create the most turnovers or, you know, be the Baltimore Ravens that, you know, that defense that helped them win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying any of that. But I really think that you'll know a lot about this team based on how good this defense performs or how, or how good they don't perform, right? I think you'll learn a lot about this team based off that. So want to hear from you, 69187, keyword r so don't be broke.com text line, and also the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Got a couple texts I want to get to real quick. Uh, this one's from, the, uh, from Michael in Kansas City AQ. Any news on Sims and Shelly? I was happy to read Tyler Hall was brought back. Love the show. Michael and KC. And, yeah, Michael, I'm not 100% sure yet on, uh, on all the guys. It hasn't been announced officially. And they'll send us a, a – <laughs> I say that laughing. They'll send us a release and let us know exactly who was brought back and who wasn't. I believe McClendon Curtis has been brought back. Uh, Matthew Butler has been brought back. I'm still a little concerned with them waving Matthew Butler after one season. I really am because clearly they're not seeing what they want from him. And that just, to me, screams that that was a bad pick. Also, Neil Farrell Jr. being traded to the Chiefs, I don't care where he gets traded to. The fact that they traded him lets me know that that was a bad pick. And that's going to happen. No GM hits every pick. But you would hope that, you know, a couple of your guys that you, that you, that you selected would stick around. And, you know, they were on the roster last year after being selected, but they're not – well, at least, at least Farrell Jr. is not on the roster this year. He's in Kansas City, and Matthew Butler, at least now he's back on the practice squad. So that's a little bit of something-something. But, man, I mean, you look at the – and I did a whole podcast about this today. You, do, you look at the 2022 draft class from Dave Ziegler, a guy that I have a lot of confidence in. First and second-round pick were given up because of Devontae Adams. Great move. Third-round pick, Dylan Parham. He looks like he was fantastic. He returned to practice today, so that's a good thing. Feel very confident about that guy. Fourth round pick, Zamir White, 17 carries year one. That's fine. What's he going to do year two? I think a lot's going to be determined on how good Zamir White is, what he does in 2023. You know, Matthew Butler waved and put on the, on the practice squad. Neil Farrell Jr. Uh, sent to Kansas City. Thayer Mumford, he's got a role, so he looks pretty good. Britton Brown, he's, uh, you know, he's on IR. He's out for the season after not doing anything. You know, so you look at the, the draft class in 2022 as a whole, and it's it's okay, right? But, again, the first and second round pick were Devontae Adams, so you'll take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. One more quick text, and then we'll go to uh, my guy Jason Horowitz, the voice of the silver and black. This is from East Bay Raider Gray. Q, just a quick nugget on what you discussed on your podcast today. Just like Ziggler in his first draft, remember Mayock had the same situation for his first draft. Needed to get his scouts in there. And, yeah, thank you, East Bay Raider Gray. I appreciate you. That's, I said that on the podcast too, and, and we've talked about that on the show multiple times, that the first year that this – staff was in place, they were just kind of going by the seat of their pants, right? They were just trying to get everything in place. They got in late, right? They had the, their for, the, the scouts from the former staff still there, so they weren't searching for their guys. We, we've said that multiple times. I know Vinny has brought that up a, a thousand times. Like, hey, these, they're now searching for Dave Ziegler guys. They're now looking for Champ Kelly guys. They're now looking for Josh McDaniels guys as opposed to looking for the, the guys from the previous staff. I totally get that. But, you st- I mean, they're, they're still misses, and you still got to call them what they are. Right, they're still misses. So uh, I, like I said, you don't you don't just say that a, a GM's not going to figure it out by one draft. I mean, it's it's tough. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. It's not 
right? How many times as we just collectively said, hey, I think that guy's going to be a good player, and then he turns out to be not a good player. <laughs> I do it all the time. So you know how difficult it is to select the good players that are really going to be able to thrive in your system. So, yeah, not, not holding anything against against Dave Ziegler and, and company for the first draft, but just realize that they didn't get a whole lot out of their first draft outside of the first and second round pick, which turned into Devontae Adams. But thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. 227 is the time. Jason Horowitz, he joins the show next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padilla. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas-area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. It was a different vibe in the building when he came back. Guys were in high spirits. This is my first time meeting Josh, but he was a high-energy guy. Really was excited to be back, and I'm glad it all worked out for him. He got what he wanted, and we got him back, and uh, one of our brothers back in the locker room. So I'll be excited to get to work with him. Dude's a hell of a player. I mean, his play for you speaks for itself. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Jimmy G right there talking about the return of Josh Jacobs. And I think Jimmy G was on some kind of media tour. I mean, not with us, but he was on a media tour. I mean, that was with uh, Andrew Siciliano from NFL Network. He was on with our guy Jason Fitz from Yahoo Sports Now. And congratulations to Fitz, by the way. You can catch him on the morning tailgate with Clay Baker and Lindsey Brown and Vinny Bonsignor. I believe it's every Wednesday at 8 o'clock. But uh, congratulations on him getting a new gig with Yahoo Sports. He's going to do a fantastic job. But, yeah, Jimmy G's been talking to everybody. And uh, that's cool. I'm all right with that. But uh, you can hear his excitement about the return of Josh Jacobs. Join us now on the phone lines. Another guy who's on a media tour all the time is the voice of the Silver and Black. That's my guy, Jason Horowitz. And, Jason, how glad are you that the preseason's over and it's time for the regular season? Yeah, I actually enjoy the preseason more. Uh, I don't uh, I don't know what the hype is about regular season games. It's really <laughs> where it's at is when you play three preseason games. And, uh, and the only people that – got to be honest, when I – my son, you, we've talked about my kids a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, you know, 7 o'clock kickoff in Dallas, so 10 o'clock uh, – <clears throat> excuse me, 8 o'clock where we live on the East Coast and – so my, my kids went to bed at like 9, and my wife texted me. She's like, how's the game going? And then she's like, oh, I just saw the score. And I wrote back, no, 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 that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and my son wrote the next morning when he woke up. He's like, oh, man, what happened? I thought we were so good. I'm like, I think we'll be okay. Uh, no, I'm excited. I, uh, you know, listen, it's, it's like everybody for everything else, and you guys feel it. Fans feel it. Like, mm-hmm. there's this buildup for the, for the training camp, and the season's coming around, and then it's another – six weeks or so until you actually kick off the game for real. And so there's preseason games and something that kind of feels like, Hey, I'm excited to see this guy or how these guys look and rookies that we got to see Tyree Wilson, Byron young on the field together the other day. So it's like stuff like that's good. Um, but I, I just, you know, it's like when you get ready for a school year, you're kind of anxious for the rhythm to get into like a norm. And, and I think that's how I always feel now too. Yeah, as you should, man. It's exciting. I thought you might like the preseason because you got that TV action, man, and you guys were looking good on the TV broadcast. I'm just saying. 
it didn't come with any ex- it's not like it's not like it came with any massive like notoriety it was like hey you know come on Q, tell me who's doing i can give you any team and be like hey who's doing their preseason be like hey who's the chief preseason guy apparently we're all friendly with the chiefs now that we're making trades like who's <laughs> who's uh, Who's the, who's the Chiefs preseason team? Do you know? I hey, look, I couldn't tell you, but I know that you're on TV and you got these glasses on. And like I said, man, you guys were looking good. It sounded good. Well, I appreciate it. No, it was great. I really listen. Anytime you get to work with pros, Matt Millen, yeah. obviously, what he did is in the NFL for a dozen years. But but from a TV perspective, even before he went to the front office, I mean, Matt was been a TV guy and a very good one at a high level on every network. Uh, and then, you know, when Rich stopped playing, he went right to CBS and was there for, I don't know, 16, 17 years, whatever it is, at a very yeah. high level. So uh, anytime you get to work with season pros like that, it's great. And it was really fun. No, it was. It was a lot of fun. I, you know, as you know, I was on the pregame and the postgame. And I got to talk to you, talk to Matt, got to talk to Lincoln, EA, JT. I mean, that was like a kid in the candy store for just me, right? These are all guys that, I, <laughs> I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm having my own good time. So I, I kind of enjoyed the preseason, too, but I'm ready for the regular season. What did you yeah. think of Tyree Wilson? He played 13 snaps. What did you think for Tyree Wilson? So it's funny, like a lot of people quoted Matt as saying, hey, you also actually have to tackle the quarterback. And I, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I said, yeah, but it looked good on his way to get there. <laughs> right, yes. Um, no, listen, he'll, he, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure the excitement and the buildup for him was there too, right? It's been mm-hmm. I'm sure, everything he's had to hear and listen to and get ready to get back for nine months. And none of us really know his full personality yet and what, what he's experiencing and how he deals with adversity and all that. Um, so I, I'm sure for him, it was full of excitement and full of, uh, energy and you know, some really impressive stuff against, you know, some guys who may not be in the NFL, but also really impressive stuff. Um, like anybody does in preseason and it's great to see, uh, and then things to learn from. So I think all of that's really good. I, I could see why a fan would be very excited about what they saw. And then I could see, um, why the team would be really excited to draft him. Right. And so we'll see what happens when we put it together. And he's actually opposite Max Crosby, and Chandler Jones is on the field now that he's back at practice. And Bilal Nichols plays because he didn't play in the whole preseason. And once we get all that together, let's go. Right, exactly. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. Again, Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Silver and Black, is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. How, how important was it, though, in your opinion, to get him into at least that third preseason game just to get his feet wet in a little NFL action, even though it was preseason? Yeah, I mean, for all the things I just said, right? I mean, that, that, that first – it's the same thing that Josh McDaniels told us uh, going into the second preseason game, which is why they changed their thought from last year when they didn't play any of the starters uh, in any of the four preseason games to why they let him go for, you know, in some cases a series like Jimmy Garoppolo and some of those guys, and in some cases on defense, even two series. Um, they wanted that flow. They wanted that energy to, to be felt in the preseason so that when they are out there knowing that they're going to get hit in Denver, um, it, it doesn't have the same, hey, we've had a nine-month layoff. It's, hey, we've had a three-week layoff. Uh, and, I, and I think it's, it's the same aspect for all those guys. So I, I, I think that's the importance is there. Um, everybody, for the most part, got, at least for us, um, healthy, yeah. and they're ready to go. Right, exactly. Well, okay, so now Tyree Wilson is trying to ramp up for Denver. Josh Jacobs is trying to ramp up for Denver. Like, realistically, how much do you think that those guys play week one? Oof, that's a tough one. Um, and I, I think that the Tyree one's harder for me because I don't know what their plan is from mm-hmm. the get-go, right? right? Like, 
aside from the fact that he's a rookie, and, you know, look, I think part of the thing is we all expect rookies to burst down, like Aiden Hutchinson, right? Right. Aiden Hutchinson's a great example. Aiden Hutchinson last year um, came on and burst down to the scene, but he's still a rookie. And so what we have seen rookies have great impact. The Raiders have seen rookies have great impact. Um, the, but, but I think sometimes we completely overestimate exactly what a rookie is supposed to come in and do. So I, and, and on top of that, for him, you're coming in with the foot injury and ratcheting him up from the beginning, and he hasn't really been a full go since May. He's been working to get back. He just came back 10 days ago, 12 days ago, whatever it is. Right. So, so I think you throw all that into the mix, and how many plays is he supposed to be out there for if he were healthy? How many plays is he supposed to be out there if he's not fully healthy? Right. So I, 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 if I had to guess, if the fact that he got 14 plays in a preseason game, my guess is he's probably a, you know, a 30-play guy, right. um, which yeah. is – you know, give or take 50, 55% of the snaps. And then in, once the season gets going, if he's as productive as they hope, 80% of the snaps or right. whatever it is. So if, if you get there, then I think you got what you really, really hoped for, and there'll be a lot of positives. For Josh Jacobs, you know, I, I, I have a hard time believing, just because of history, that they can come close to him touching it 393 times again right. and him being successful. And I think from a, from a from a historical statistical standpoint they know that mm-hmm. and so even now you add into the fact that he's just back in the building there's going to be a plan in place but i also think that they have more established go-to guys in the in the mix going into the year than they did a season ago right you bring in Devonte, but who was the second receiver last year it was hunter Right. Well, now the second receiver is Jacoby. Hunter's the third. Right. And then I think there's a lot of excitement for whether it's Trey or DeAndre. And you can see what those guys can do on spot spots. And obviously Josh. And, and, and now you've got Zemir White, who's, who doesn't have to come off the field and pass protection because he understands it now. He's been working on his catching abilities, all of those things. They are, I think, in a better spot. Uh, and the X factor is the guy you played coming into all this, which is where is Jimmy? compared to how good Jimmy has been in this league, compared to what he knows with Josh McDaniels and what they put together from what he did well the last five and a half years in San Francisco. All that goes well, it's going to be a really difficult offense to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been saying the same thing. I, I really am excited about the potential. And, of course, it's only potential because, well, it's untapped, right? Haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But you can see it. I feel like the team is way more talented than they were last year. And I know there's plenty of talent on the team last year, but it feels like top to bottom there's still there's more talent. They're deeper. I, 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 think, I think they're deeper. I think the defense is still – we all and – and I say we, I, Matt and Rich both, all three games and watching practice leading into the Rams game and leading into the Niners game, consistently we're saying how much better they feel this team is watching it on the field. Mm-hmm. And so you throw all that in there. Um, the, the names on the defense are different. I don't think they, other than Marcus Peters, it doesn't by name look like, hey, we've added these big-time former NFL stars. Yep. But that doesn't mean that it's not a better defense. Right. I know Raiders fans need to see it to believe it because they've been waiting for that type of thing since 2016. You know, 2016, what are we talking about? We're talking about the, I think they were 30 takeaways, something like that. Right, yeah. It was a good defense. It was, not, yep. it was a playoff team. Yeah, they, playoff they, they, they created a bunch of turnovers. Yeah. And so I think Raiders fans deservedly so want to see it. But, but I think we may see it. 
It feels like it, and I don't want to get too excited. I've been trying to temper my expectations, Jason, but it does feel different than what we've seen. And you know, I've been I've been rocking with the silver and black since day one, so I I know I know where everyone in the nation is is coming from and how they feel. And again, want to want to see it before they believe it. But you know, with that being said, when you look at the roster, of course, we saw the the releases and the waves yesterday. Was there anyone that you know stood out to you that was kind of a surprise to you? For uh, what on the defense or, or just or just in general? in general on the roster in general, what, with the cuts yesterday? Yeah, nah, I, I, you know, only because we are a little bit more privy to conversations and mm. and you know yeah. in, the, in the way that sitting with Josh McDaniels the day before the game or the morning of the game and having talked with Dave Ziegler leading up to Game Two and on the air. On uh, on Saturday night, I, nothing really was a surprise. You know, the writing was kind. Of, I think a lot of people were surprised that Alex Bars isn't on the roster. Um, but Greg Van Roten had been slotted into the starting spot the entire camp. Yeah, and he's yeah. an experienced guy. And and you know, I, I think I understand why people thought, hey, Alex Bars, why isn't he on that as a backup? But if you look at the snaps, and I don't mean Game Three. Game three is not the indicator of when a guy is going to be on or, or off the roster. Unless, I mean, if he's out there, then he's probably not on the roster. <laughs> um, but Jordan Meredith, throughout the first two games, mm-hmm. was given every opportunity to stand out. I think there, I think it was game two where Jordan Meredith um, had the largest percentage of snaps uh, on the team. And, and, and Matt Millen was impressed with how he handled a lot of things. And he's a guy that people like. He's a hard worker. You know, it's all those things. Not that Alex Bars isn't. Alex Bars is all of those. Um, but... But they wanted to upgrade, and if Jordan Meredith beat him up, and there you go. Right. Uh, and so you get you get him on there. I think a lot of people thought that Muti would would be on the roster because he had slid in when Parham got hurt. But again, Meredith beat him out too. Right. So you've got your you know Justin Haran. If you go back to game one, he started a hundred percent, or he played a hundred percent of the of the reps. Wow. Nobody played a hundred percent except him. Right. <laughs> so. You know, you throw that out there, Christian Wilkerson beating out the other guys. I think it surprised a lot of the media members. But look at the game. There was clearly an emphasis to get him the football, and they wanted mm-hmm. to see what he could do, and he did it. And he's a special teams guy, and he knows all this, all those things, right? And on the back end, I guess I was a little bit surprised. Um, you know, Tyler Hall didn't get on the roster because he's so versatile, right. and he made some big plays happen for them last year. But again, part of this is, hey, who can we put – who can we put through waivers, and who can we try to get back on the practice squad? And I think that's the ge- the guessing game for them too. Yeah, Drake Thomas was a little bit of a surprise to me, and now Seattle's picked yeah. him up, so they can't get him on the practice squad. Cam I, Sims, he kind of stood yeah. out to me, and then there was one more person that stood out to me, and now I forget, so it must not – oh, Duke Shelley, sorry. So th- those three yeah. are kind of surprising to me, but that was about it. I, I think, though, a couple of things. Number one, I think sometimes – because, you know, this is becoming like an event, right? The NFL does events. And and we the NFL has made this amazing thing out of the draft, and it's become one of the biggest sporting events of the year. And there's no competition; it's just people picking. Right. Uh, and and they do the same thing with the schedule release. People wait for the schedule release in May. Yeah. And you already know when you're playing. You just don't know when. <laughs> right. And right. people can't wait for it. And and they've done this amazing thing. And I think uh, inadvertently by going for, to from three cutdowns to two cutdowns last year to one now. Uh, they kind of made it an event, mm-hmm. you know, cut down day. It's like this thing. Right. We're, and, and so because of that, I, I think, you know, in, in looking at all this over the last couple of weeks, like who's going to make the roster, who's not, like, it becomes like an event and everybody's writing about it. Everybody's yeah. trying to figure it out. Everybody, and, and I think we talk ourselves into 
all of these unrestricted free agents, and I think we forget about the fact that they are unrestricted free agents. And yes, there are a lot of UFAs who have made massive impacts, both the NFL, for the Raiders, all across the league. Um, but there are contracts that, that, that and, and, and how long guys are signed and all of those things that go into play mm-hmm. and the aspect that the practice squad has changed. Um, practice squad used to be, what, seven guys? And yeah. you couldn't have been on there if you've had more than three years of experience or something like that. It's so drastically different right. uh, that I think it's kind of changed how, we, how the game is played in, in this regard. And, and so we talk ourselves into all these guys. But, I mean, Q, you and I talked about it during the first week. Christian Wilkerson was running with the first-team offense the whole week leading up to the Niners. It's true. <laughs> it's true. That's a good point, and and he was showcased like you mentioned on Saturday against the Cowboys. Ten catches yeah. that that was a hell of a day for one Christian Wilkerson. Well, that's why that's why we have you on the show to bring the science and, and the you know and, and break it all down for us, Jason. That's why we have you on the show. So you know, what do that's... I know? <laughs> what do, what do I, I know? <laughs> that's clear. I know. I know. I know that I'm very excited to get to Denver, and I also know that at the moment the Broncos only have three healthy wide receivers because they only kept four, and Jerry Judy ain't playing. Right. So, so I know that. True, and they got Philip Dorsett now, and, and I know for you that you've got to go ahead and redo your, uh, your, your spotter cards because all these Raiders are changing their numbers. So uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to get to work on that and get yourself prepared. Dude, they don't give no, I, I got to assume that in the first year, they don't give zero to just any, any schmo. Right. It's not like I can walk in and be like, hey, can I have zero? Right, so, exactly. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing you, want, you want another reason why you should be excited about this year? That guy. Yep. Corey and Bennett. Corey and Bennett, absolutely. Well, Trey Tucker's changed his number now three times. He went from 89 to 14 to 11, so hopefully he doesn't I, change it a couple more times. I'm partial to 11, though. Remember, I grew up in Detroit, and Isaiah Thomas was the man, so I'm a there little partial to 11. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with that. That'll, that'll work. He's He's got the speed. He's got the speed, so uh, he's going to be out there, and he's going he's gonna to provide something, I'm sure, for the silver and black this year. Jason, great stuff as always, man. Thanks so much for joining us, and on to Denver. Let's get ready for Denver. I'll talk to you soon, bud. All right, brother. There he goes. Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders right there. Always a good conversation with Jason. We definitely appreciate his time. I know Ari is stressing out because I've uh, definitely gone over the time. <laughs> Ran through that stop sign. Sorry. Sorry, Ari. I appreciate you, though, for <laughs> for making things do what they do. You got some feedback? Let us know about it. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. What are your overall feelings on the Raiders' initial 53-man roster as it stands right now? And where do you feel it still needs to improve? Let us know. John McClain coming up at the top of the hour. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. My man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. We like to call it Studio Q. Of course, Unnecessary Roughness is brought to you by the Jewelers of Las Vegas and my guy Mordecai. Shout out to him. If you need any kind of jewelry hookup, he's got you covered. The only place in town that I would ever go, the only place that anyone in town ever goes, is the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Go to thejewelers.com if you need more details. Uh, Snake Man hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&RQ. Jimmy G looked real fly boy in that jumpsuit, doing nine Gs like the Iceman. Wife and I crushing on top, on, crushing on top Jimmy. 
Ask Ari to hook up Van Halen 1984. Top Jimmy Snake Man right there. And, yeah, what he's talking about is Jimmy G uh, basically in a, what, a fighter plane, and he was going about 1,500 miles an hour. I saw that video. That is absolutely ridiculous. Matter of fact, Vinny asked Coach McDaniels about that earlier today when the whole press conference got wrapped up when Coach McDaniels was walking off. He said, hey, did you have any anxiety of Jimmy G in, in that fighter plane? He said, no, but he did. <laughs> so I can only imagine – uh, Tyler, Tyler Bischoff and Ed Graney asked today on the, on their, uh, on their show, the press box on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, they had me on and they said, Q, would you ever do that? And before Tyler even finished getting the words out of his mouth, I said, hell no, I have no desire <laughs> to go 1500 miles an hour in anything, plane, train, automobile, nothing. <laughs> if it's 1500 miles, I don't want to go at all. I'm good. I don't need any kind of speed like that. I am not that guy. So, uh, yeah, but that was a kind of cool video that was put out of Jimmy G. And, again, I've said it multiple times, man. Jimmy G just seems like one of the dudes. <laughs> he, he, he looks like one of the dudes. He sounds like one of the dudes. And he was a guy that I wasn't too sure about when the Raiders decided to sign him because of his injury history. Didn't know how he was going to be being a Raider. Right? I guess that's what happens when you're a 49er originally and then all of a sudden you come over to the silver and black. It's just different. So I didn't even know how he was going to be as a Raider. But, man, he seems like a cool cat. I got to admit, he seems like a pretty cool cat. So we'll see what happens on the field. Obviously, that's all that really matters. But, again, he seems like a pretty cool cat. So uh, I'm all right with that. We'll see what Jimmy, D, Jimmy G could do on the field. One more quick text from 805 Raider. Don't like that Philip Dorsett going to the Broncos signing less than two weeks from game day. And, well, it's just the reality of it is they don't have wide receivers like Jason Horowitz pointed out. They've got guys banged up and injured, and Phil Dorsett became available, so now he's out there. So I don't think that he can provide a whole lot as far as game plans or this, that, and the other. He's just a guy with some speed that is in Denver and will be facing the Raiders week one. John McClain's up next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.